Well, that takes us to this morning. Last week was an amazing weekend if you were a part. How many of you were a part of the meetings with Jack Taylor? I told you you would be blessed. And I told you what his message would be. His message would be the kingdom. And uh, he imparted, I believe, an impartation. And, uh, but th there was something that happened along the altar. And I don't want it to end. I want, to, I want God to keep doing what he's doing, and I don't care what it takes. I want to go for it, and I don't even care if it takes me. I just want God to do it. Does that make sense? It does take us, though. But either we're going to be a church kingdom or a kingdom church. How many of you know what that means? A church kingdom means we build our own kingdom. A kingdom church means we're a people devoted to building the kingdom of God. Now, I want to show you something. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time, but there's something I want to just release, and we're going to pray for people this morning around the altar. But if you would go with me to Acts chapter 28. Say Acts 28. Beginning with verse 24, and then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 16 and, and just speak, release some things. But we were fired up. I can tell you this. There were so many delays on that trip to Washington. We were delayed in every way. We were even delayed. We had to fly into Vancouver. We were delayed two hours getting into America. And they said it's very abnormal. That's, that's, it usually doesn't happen. And then we had delays all along the way. Even the last night, we had to spend the night in New York. 
You know how hard it is to get a hotel at 1230 at night in New York City that would cost anything you want to pay. You know what I'm talking about. It's way over the top. It's, it's what I used to call highway robbery, but I won't say that. But it, uh, anyway, what it seemed like to me. But anyway, Acts chapter 28, verse 24. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieve. How I many you know that happens today? Some are persuaded, and some disbelieve. They not only do not believe, they just disbelieve. They don't want anything to do with it. And when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. Now, that's bad. People left out of Paul's preaching after just one word that he spoke. And the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of the people have grown dull, and the ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they've closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their heart and turn so that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And you're among those this morning that will hear it. Say, I will hear it. And you have heard it. You wouldn't be here. And then he goes on, and when he had said these, these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him. Now, so what did Paul do about all the disputes about the hardened hearts, about all that was going on. Well, it says that in verse 31. He stayed in his own house preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence and no one forbidden him. I think we sung a song this morning. The word of God will not be imprisoned. The first song that we sung, and it's not going to be imprisoned. But the preaching of the kingdom of God. What was the message Jesus preached? It was the kingdom, remember. Repent, therefore. John the Baptist preached the kingdom. Paul, we just read, preached the kingdom. What's the last day message that's going to be preached in all the earth? The gospel, the good news of the kingdom. We've said before, it's not going to be the good news of the church. The good news of the church hadn't got anybody anywhere. It's the good news of the kingdom. The church gets to preach that message. And it's going to happen over all the earth before the end comes. I've shared with you, if you've been around, that trip to the, the former USSR and how we were waiting at the, the, the gate, the checkpoint, before we got in. It took forever. We were delayed in getting across the border. And many people on that bus, I remember, were wondering, are we going to make it into the USSR, the Soviet Union? Have we, have we come here? We spent all our money for naught. And the Spirit of God spoke to my heart. And he said, turn to Matthew 24, 14. And I looked up Matthew 24, 14, and guess what it said? And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end shall come. And I shared that with them, and guess what happened right after that? They came with our passports, our visas, and they let us go in. And I've shared many times we were part of a group that got to preach the gospel in a land that had not heard the gospel for 70 years under communism. And we saw it was an unbelievable move of God. But God is doing something. He's getting us ready to go. Man, I like this man, Thomas. He's come to be a part of us. He prays. But he's on the go. He's going to abortion clinics, Planned Parenthood clinics. It doesn't matter. He's going. When we called for volunteers to help counsel at the unplanned movie, guess who was the first one that showed up? Thomas showed up. Ready. I'm telling you. People are ready to go. If you're sitting back in this hour, you don't want to sit back in this hour. Just follow Thomas and you won't sit back. He's not a doubting Thomas, I can tell you. Listen, we got to be on the go. we got to be ready. There's a kingdom that's about to be released over the earth, the gospel of the kingdom. Now, I've said all that because I want to go back and talk about the church. Is that okay? This will be the remaining time. I'm just going to release this in about 15 minutes. I'm going to be honest with you. I hope I've always, I mean, I've always been honest. I'm not going to be dishonest. But if you noticed, this is my observation since being here 11 years. There's a lot of folks today that do not believe they, they need the church anymore. 
They believe it's outdated. It's old-fashioned. You know, they don't, you know, maybe satisfy what I'm looking for. Some people think it's not relevant. Some people think they can take it or leave it. Hearing the preaching of the word. This is always mind-boggling to me. The Bible says you're to preach as if you're preaching the oracles of God. And I'm telling you, every time, man, I'm going for it. I'm speaking by faith as if I'm speaking the very words of God. But most people, it's like, well, I can take it or leave it. What if God literally showed up? What if Jesus literally showed up in churches across America? Would it make any difference today? I don't know if it would make any difference or not. Because he is showing up. He's sending his word through the men and women that he's chosen to speak his word. How many of you know that? Listen, the same spirit that raised his dead body from the grave lives in you and me. And he's given us his word. His word is eternal. His word will never return void. And I want to look at what the Lord thinks about the church. Can I do that? Because we're not going to be a church kingdom. We're going to be what? A kingdom church. A church that's available to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom in this hour. So go with me, if you would, to Matthew 16. Everybody's still here. I know it's Mother's Day. If, you, if you've got somebody with you, you're going to get taken out for lunch. And it's going to be a lot of fun. But um, if we can get in those places. Because a lot of times on Mother's Day, you can't even get in. So surely maybe we could change and you could cook something at the last moment. No, 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 no. I'm just, that ain't going to happen. I would get, what would I get if I demanded that? Leftover, you know, yeah, leftover eggs from three weeks ago or something. No, no, I'm taking you out. You know, our kids are not even here on Mother's Day. It's a new thing. When you get alone, you know what I mean? And, but some of you don't, you know, you don't talk about it. Look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Now let me just read, let's look at this release some things, pray over people, because I believe God's going to move around the altar this morning. We didn't just come to observe. Or we came to participate. We came to be a part of a, of a move of the Holy Spirit. God's moving all over the earth. He's not just moving in Washington State. He's moving in North Carolina. He's moving in South Carolina. He's moving in Texas. He's moving in Louisiana. He's moving in Ohio. If he, he's moving in Massachusetts. Now, how do, you, how do you know that? Because the Scripture says the glory of the Lord will cover the earth just like the water covers the sea. And besides, we have some folks from Massachusetts. They're moving here. But when they, move back, when they go back home, God's going to be moving among them where they are. And God's going to move everywhere, wherever his people are. Verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so he confesses right there, I'm the Son of Man. He was the Son of Man, but what else was he? He was the Son of God. He was all man, but he was all God. And so he asked the question, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And you know, that's an important question today. It's not who somebody else says he is. It's who we say he is, and he goes on to explain that. And so so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say? And so it's not just about what, who someone else says I am. Your mother, your father, your friend, a youth pastor. It's okay. It's great what they're saying about him. But what do you say about me? And then Simon said in verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So he, he brought the other part. Jesus said, I'm the son of man. Simon Peter agreed, you're not only the son of man, you're the son of God. You're the living God. Not just some dead religion, you're alive. Verse 17, and Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And so it's okay for people to tell us who they say he is, but the people can't reveal him to us. The father has to reveal the son to us. God has to draw us. He has to make himself known to us. It's a one-on-one -on -one thing. Blessed are you, Simon, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, 
Now that's, how many of you know, that's a small rock, a piece of a rock, if you look it up in the Greek. And on this rock, that's a large rock. So Peter's a part of a larger rock. That's the rock of Revelation. And on this Revelation, this rock, I will build my what? My church and the gates of Hades. I like the King James, the gates of hell. Just say either one you're more familiar with. Say Hades or hell. Say it out loud. It's it. I'm telling you, it's not going to prevail against the church. It shall not prevail, shall not overcome or prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So what did Jesus say about the church? First of all, the church is a gathering. It's not the building. Everybody knows that, right? All you guys know it's not about going to church. It's about being the church. We're as much the church when we walk out the door as we were when we walked in this place. You know, and so it's the gathering, the ecclesia, the called out ones, those that are called out of the world, and they called to him. So what did he say about it? Here it is. Number one, Jesus said, I will build. Say, I will build. Now, if he said he's going to build, what does that mean? He's going to build. So if you give up on what he said he's going to build, you're going to miss out on what he's building. He said, I will build. The word in the Greek means I will construct or I will confirm. Now, you think about, you know, a, con a constructor, you know, someone in construction. If they're worth their weight of gold, they're not going to stop halfway in the process and say, okay, you can move in now. You know, like, you know, Daniel and Marla, they're having a house built. What if they're a constructor, you know, he just said, okay, that's enough. Now I've done my part. You take it from here. No, that's not the way it's going to happen. He's going to finish it, or you're not going to pay him. You know what I'm talking about. He's not going to get his full reward. The lamb's going to get his full reward, the full reward of his suffering. He's going to finish what he started. Jason, who oversees the Light of the World Prayer Center in Washington, who gave us the gift, this banner, he said this, and I'll never forget, out of all the things he said, he said, when we work, we work. Nothing wrong with work. Say, there's nothing wrong with work. When you work, you work, you sweat, you labor. But when you pray, God works. When we work, we work, but when we pray, God works. And God is a builder. He's also a finisher. I want you to look at yourself, if you can. Just look down and say, hey, you. And others say, hey, you, so you can say, hey, you. Hey, you. Say, he that has begun a good work in you will complete it. Until the day of Christ Jesus. How many of you know that's a true statement? God's not going to stop. He's not finished with any of us. Thank God he's not finished with me. Thank God he's not finished with us. Because the building, the temple, you're looking at it. This is the temple of the living God. And he's going to finish it. And also the word means to confirm. How many of you went to confirmation classes when you grew up? You know, Shirley went, she was a Presbyterian. And some of you, what were you guys? Presbyterians. Any Episcopals in this place, you know? Yeah, we got a few of those, I guess. Catholics, any of you Catholics? Didn't you have confirmation? Well, what did it confirm you to? The church. Listen, Jesus confirms you in him. He's confirming us in him, in his son. And it's an ongoing thing, but he's doing it. And then he said, I will build, secondly, what did he say? My church. Do you notice he didn't say, I'm going to build your church. I'm going to build their church. I'm going to build his church. I'm going to build her church. What did he say? I'm going to build my church. You know, you don't have to teach a child you know, that, that possession, you know, they, they grow up. It won't take long for the little Dylan that pops out here not too long from now. You know, after a long, somewhere along the months, you know, things are going to belong to him. It's mine. This is mine. My diaper, my rattler, my stuff, you know, leave it alone. It's mine. You don't have to teach them. Now, Jesus is not possessive in, in that sense, but he is possessive. He's jealous for us. He's jealous for you. He watches over you. You're his inheritance. You're his reward. You're his possession. You're his son. You're his daughter. 
He's not going to give up on you. He's, we're his body. We're his bride. We're the apple of his eye. You know that scripture says, touch not my anointed. Touch not my anointed. Do my prophets no harm. You think that's just talking about the big name prophets. No, it's talking about touch not my anointed ones. How many of you are the anointed ones? You are the anointed ones. You're the called, set apart from the world. And whether you know it or not, there's a scripture written over you that says, touch not my anointed ones. The only avenue that he has into your life, the devil, the enemy, is what God would allow him or what you would open the door to. And I'm telling you, we have to exercise the authority in this hour. I t- you know, I came back from Washington, and I, I look at the little prayer meeting that we have among the pastors, and it's almost a little bit daunting. You know, you think, God, how in the world will we build this here? That was there. This is here. Let me tell you, you got you to rise up. you got to take authority. you got to tell the devil where to go in your own life. If he's coming around your dwelling, listen, you're, you belong to the living God. Jesus said, Behold, I've given you authority to tread upon scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy. Tell him where to go. Rebuke the devil. We'll talk more about that. We have the authority. But Jesus said, I will build my church. And then the next thing he said, I'll build my church and what? The gates of hell will not prevail. So what does that tell us, first of all? It tells us the gates of hell will try to prevail. I promise you, you're the same. We have never seen, as Americans, a day in which we're living. I know that all through our history, there have been contentions, political upheavals. We broke out into a civil war. I don't think there's ever been a day like there is today. One side is so set on destruction. Whatever it takes, they're not going to back off. And we know, how many of you know that's true? They're not going to back off. And, uh, but we've got to rise up. The wicked will be wicked still, but the righteous have to be righteous still. And we've got to rise up, and we've got to be the people of God. I had a dream this week. I'm going to see if I can explain it. Share it, and, and I believe God's still giving me a download. Because somehow I've got to share this with the presidential prayer watch and encourage the intercessors. But in this dream, a member of my family, it's not my here close by, but a distant part of my family. But anyway, I was in a bunk bed at the top level, and this member of my family was like the lower level, but really was on the floor. So I was up higher, and she was, she was on the floor. And uh, she was, she had a, she was asleep, and she had an iPad in her hand, an iPad, you know, a little, maybe a computer. I just looked, I thought, she's got an iPad, but she'd fallen asleep. And then I was looking at her, and she woke up. And the moment she woke up, she tossed the iPad at me in anger and rage. She was furious. She wanted my blood, I'm telling you. I could tell this was no good. And, uh, and I just rebuked her or something. I forgot what I did, but I woke up. And the Lord began to show me, listen, people today, they're angered and enraged because of the information that's being given to them, that they're reading, that they're hearing day by day. They're not going to be set free until you and I come against that information that's being fed to them. They're being deceived by the powers of darkness. And then I thought about that scripture in Psalm 55 that says, you know, oh God, divide and destroy their tongues. How many of you are familiar with that? We've talked about that before. And we prayed that. I'm telling you, we got to step it up. The media today is at war with America. And the way they're, they're seeking to win the war is by deceiving those who could easily be deceived. So what are you and I going to do? Just let them be deceived? No, we're going to rise up. We're going to take authority. We're going to come against the powers of darkness. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. My battle was not against this relative on the floor that got anger with me when she woke up. My battle is against all of the powers of hell. And so hell's going to come against us. Hell's going to come against you. If it hasn't yet, it will in the days to come. God's going to 
But God's going to raise up a people that know who they are in Christ. But most of all, they're going to know who Christ is in them. And they're going to give the devil the final word. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We've got to live. Listen, the kingdom of God suffers violence. But what do the violent do? They take it by force. If you're just sitting by thinking it's all going to work out, you may be sitting by for a long time. you got to rise up and say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. I command you to loose my relative, my family. Something else the Lord showed me is that, listen, I know there's folks that are very liberal. They're still a part of the American family. They're still a part of our family. I know they're not a part of the family of God yet. Yet, did you hear that? Yet. But there's still someone that God will hear our prayer for. And we can pray and believe. Because the next thing is in verse 19. He said, And I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail, and I will give you what? The keys. The keys of what? Of the kingdom of heaven. And when you see kingdom of heaven, it can also be the kingdom of God. And whatever, what? You bind on earth. And if you study this out, it means whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on the earth, it's already have been loosed in heaven. And so what's he saying? Jesus said, yes, I've, I've, I captured the keys, but now I'm giving them to you. That we've got the keys of the kingdom and we have to exercise them. So what do keys do? They open doors and they close doors. I'm so thankful for, and I, if, listen, if you didn't vote for him, hang in there for just a few more moments. But I'm thankful for our president. God's used him to close some doors. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I could share with you. There are some doors that were really wicked that God's used him to close. But he can only do so much. He only has the governmental authority. The main job is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he's done anything, he's, he's given us some time to rise up and be the church who will bind and close the gates of hell. Because it's only us that can do it. And we've got to do it while we have an th- opportunity and while we have the authority. Remember what I told you Jason said, when we work, we work. But when we pray, what happens? God works. So how's this going to happen? It's through a church that's praying, grabbing hold of the horns of the altar, not letting go. For the lost, for our sons and our daughters, for our political. Listen, it's not God's will that these people we watch on television go to hell. How many of you know that? There's sometimes I want to throw a brick through the TV at some of these liberal politicians because you know they're lying out of their teeth. And you so want God, show the people they're lying. God, write the word liar above their head. Maybe we should pray that. God, let it be known. But God still loves them. It's his will that none should perish. And I'm telling you, God's going to surprise us. Many of the Saul's in this hour are going to become Paul's in this coming move of God. And we got to believe him to do it. We got to pray. We got to pray. We got to have the moves of God like they used to have, but we got to have this one today. Somebody else we met in Washington was a man by the name of Gerhard, and I can't pronounce his last name. He's from another South African. And he's a man, I don't know, he's a man of prayer. And when he shared with it, we, we attended a pastor's meeting, but we also attended a prayer coordinator's meeting. And this man just started talking about prayer. And it wasn't, he wasn't talking about prayer. You know what I'm talking about. When he finished talking, it made you want to go pray. It's like he just bled prayer. He was just a man devoted to prayer. He's been praying. We found out he called me two days ago because we met him briefly. And he said, you know, um, I want you to email me. And uh, he lives in Canada. And I'll pray about, you know, I want to pray for you and your wife. And so I emailed him because we need prayer. And so he said he would pray for us. And so I'm speaking to him. And I found out that he knew many of the great men that I that touched my life, like Dr. Stephen Oford. He walked with him a time, and Dr. Oford was a prince of preachers. He's the man that led Billy Graham into the fullness of the Spirit. 
You don't know that story. Some of you do. I'll tell you at another time. But he'd also visited where they had the Hebrides revival. And he interviewed the people that were still alive that he could find. Uh, maybe this was a number of years ago that had been saved in that great move of God. You know what he found out? And he wrote a book about, Dun was it Duncan Campbell, the man that God used in that revival? And so they found the people that had been saved in that move of God. And everybody they found that made a decision during that move of God was still walking with Jesus today. He said there's never been any other thing like that that's happened. Because you go to a Billy Graham crusade, you, there'll be people that have walked down the aisle. You've Charles Finney, you know, all of those great Billy Sunday, all of those guys. But in this move of God, everybody, he said they discovered that said they got saved is still walking with Jesus today. And the reason was they went to Camp Dungle, Duncan Campbell and they asked him, as the people were coming to Christ during those days at the Hebrides Islands, just outside of Scotland, they said, sir, what's your follow-up plan going to be? All these people are coming to Jesus. All people are coming to the Lord from all over. What's your follow-up plan? He said, what do you mean, my follow-up plan? I don't have a follow-up plan. He said, my follow-up plan is to get them to follow him. And if they follow him... They will follow him for the rest of their lives. And guess what happened? They're following him today. And that's the key in this move of God. It's not about a man. It's not going to be about a ministry. not going to be about a place. It's going to be about the person of the Lord Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit that draws people. And we've got to get them so connected to following him. Make sure they're rooted in following him. And if they're rooted in following him, they're going to follow him for the rest of their lives. And it's going to happen. And guess what? You and I get to be a part of it. But this man that I told you about, I'm going to, I'm going to bring him here. He's going to do a prayer summit. He told me he's been to many nations in the earth, and they'll bring together thousands of pastors, and they'll pray together for 5, 7, 14, 21. Even he's been on 40-day prayer summits where all they do is come together and pray. You remember what? They, the disciples asked Jesus, they didn't say, teach us how to pray. They said, teach us to pray. And this is what God's going to do. When we pray, here's what we're going to close with. When we pray, the church will become and be it will fulfill as the way Jesus defined it is. It'll be just what he said. It'll be a house of prayer. When we pray, we will receive the things that we thought we're on hold in our life. Jesus said, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. When we pray, we're going to move out in faith in the ability of the Holy Spirit. I'm growing weaker and, and more unconfident in the flesh day by day. How many of you are there? I have less confidence in the flesh today than I've ever had in the, in the history of my own walk with the Lord. And I have a feeling 10 and 20 years from now, it's, I'm going to have even more or less confidence in the flesh. But we're confident in the Holy Spirit. And then when we pray, we're going to see the impossible become, impossible become the possible. Remember how we shared in one of the moves of God, there was a group of people they called the apostles of the impossible. No, the apostles of the possible. And they were known because they saw impossible things become possible. When we pray, we will accomplish more than we would have ever dreamed or ever even thought of. How many of you know the scripture? It says, now unto him who will do abundantly, exceedingly, above and beyond all that we've ever asked or thought according to the power that works in us. And then when we pray, we will build a blanket, a covering over our families, our regions, God will supernaturally protect the people that are praying and calling out to him. And then we're going to see God do the unheard of, the unthinkable, the the things that we would have never have believed possible. Amen? Did that make any sense? So I'm going to pray because it's going to take a spirit of prayer. And I'm going to pray that God would release a fresh spirit of prayer upon us. And that it will become contagious. And then God will let it spread across in many places. But I want to pray that. Let's just stand.
And then we're going to pray for people around the altar. But I want to pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, how many of you want a spirit of prayer upon you? Need a spirit of prayer. Listen, it's all of our efforts. And I, I you know, in a way, I, I believe God honors the efforts of his children. You know what I mean? But he's saying, hey, listen, it's not about my might nor by power. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord. And so we're just going to pray. Go ahead, David. You pray, play there. And Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for that word that we receive. When we work, we work. Nothing wrong with work. But when we pray, God works. And God, we want to confess to you, first of all, our prayerlessness. How many of you would say, that's me? I want to confess prayerlessness. I have not prayed as he's called me to. And so, Lord, we confess that before you. We confess our weakness in our flesh. You said to boast in our weakness. And so we boast in our weakness and in, in the inability of our own flesh to accomplish the purposes of God. But, Lord, we're asking now for an anointing, and we're asking for a new spirit of prayer, a spirit of intercession, of supplication to be poured out upon us, Lord. If you want that, just say, God, I receive. I receive. Lord, I ask you to do it. Lord, I thank you. You reminded us through Jack last week that our spirit never sleeps, and God never sleeps. God never slumbers. And so, Lord, we thank you that we can pray continually, even, even in the night seasons. Our spirit is communicating with heaven, communicating with God. So, Lord, we pray now for a fresh anointing and a baptism of prayer. I don't even know, Lord, if it doesn't, I don't even know. All I know is we need the Holy Spirit. And I pray for the Spirit of God to come upon your church and release a prayer a movement of God of prayer like we've never known before. God, I pray that prayer would become something that becomes a delight, something that we run to instead of run from. Lord, I pray that we would be a people that you said pray continually without ceasing. Whatever you meant by that, Lord, however you would define that, we pray let us be a people that fit the definition. And I thank you, you've, you've enabled us and you've called us to that in this hour. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Now this morning, if you need, here, number one, if you need a Savior, if you need a Savior, if you've never been born again, you're not sure that if this was the last day that you lived on the earth, that you would spend eternity in heaven, we're going to ask you to come and stand around the altar. We're going to pray for people. Secondly, if you're not where you were, you used to be, you've grown lukewarm. Do you know the most dangerous place to be in this hour is to be in a place of lukewarmness? How many of you know that might be true? Based on what the Lord said, being lukewarm is not a good place to be. So if there's any lukewarmness, we want you to come in just a moment. We're going to pray God will burn it out and send fresh fire. Maybe you need a miracle. Listen, we've been seeing people healed. I feel like God says, you have only touched the surface. You've only seen just the beginnings of what I want to do in your midst if you'll trust in me. And you'll give me opportunity. Because he's not only the Savior, he's the healer. And so if you need a miracle today, we're going to pray for people and pray for miracles. And we're going to believe God to do it. And then also I felt like the Lord said, if you feel like there's a call on your life that's undefined and unfulfilled, you say, God, would you would stir that fresh call upon my life? And Lord, I just, to the best of my knowing, I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes, here am I, send me. Because the gifts and callings are without repentance. So if any of that meets you, just come and stand around the altar. We're going to pray. Just come. Come now. We're going to pray for the fire of God, for the freshness. Some of you are visiting, and there are going to be more and more people visiting Moravian Falls. I'm telling you, they're going to come. They're going to come. You would need a fresh touch from God. We're going to just pray that the Spirit of God would touch you, and there would be a release of His power and His mercy, His grace. Some people have sinned so bad they thought they'd blown it. 
That's one of the great deceptions of the devil. He comes to us, he says, hey, go ahead and do it. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's done it. You've been forgiven before. Just go ahead and do it again. Then you do it again, and then he comes and he says, okay, that's it. You've blown it. It's the last time. There's no more grace for you. It's all over. You're calling. It's done with. God's finished with you. It's over. How many of you know he's a liar? He's a liar. He's a liar at all points. He's the father of lies. He's the father. So we're just going to, Lord, we thank you. Is anybody here say, I want to get saved. I want to, I've never been saved, but this is the day of salvation. I want to call upon Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to make sure I'm saved. Anybody? I don't know if I'm going to heaven. We got, we got to pray this prayer because people are going to start coming by the multitudes, by the truckloads. I was also reading in John 6 this week where this great multitude was coming right at them. said came, a great multitude coming toward them. And the Lord asked one of them, who was it, Philip? You know, basically, do we have enough food or take care? Basically, he was telling Philip, take care of them. He didn't know what to do. You know, do we have enough? Lord, we don't know. But Jesus himself, he asked him so as to test him because he himself knew what he was about to do. Sometimes things look so impossible to us. It's a test to see if we'll put our trust in him. What he's asking us to do looks impossible. But what God, he already knows what he's going to do. So anyway, we need to pray for people watching and the people that are coming that are going to be saved at this altar. So if you're here without Jesus and the Holy Spirit is convicting you, we got to have that conviction. There's one thing they had in those old moves of God. It was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. At the Hebrides Islands, people would walk in and fall out under conviction. And they would weep. They could not get up. So Lord, we pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit in this hour to visit the churches of America again. And people would walk in and fall on their faces, God. We pray this all across the land. But if you've never known Jesus, say, Dear God, dear God, I believe in you. And I believe in Jesus. And I come to you this morning. And I put my trust in you. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I confess him. And I acknowledge I'm a sinner. And I turn from my sin. I repent. And I ask you to forgive me and wash me by the blood of the Lamb. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. I will follow you for the rest of my life. From this moment on, no turning back. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with such passion for your Son that I will never walk away. And thank you for it. And how many of you also feel just a recommitment of your life, fresh fire, a little bit of coldness? So let's just pray. Let's just repent. Lord, forgive me. Just say, forgive me for any lukewarmness in my life. He'll forgive you. If we confess, he'll forgive. Maybe it's your prayer life. Maybe it's whatever. But just say, God, forgive me. Cleanse me. I don't want any lukewarmness in me. And Lord, I lay it at this altar this morning. I lay the lukewarmness down. And I thank you for your tender mercies and for the grace. And I ask you today for the fresh fire of God in my life, fresh anointing of fire that I would burn for you, God. Fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we just say, come, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Maybe you need a miracle. You need a miracle. Healing, a miracle, something. Some, okay, Lord, we just pray in the name of Jesus. We break off now every spirit of infirmity. Just, let, let's just pray this. Say, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, you're the healer. Nothing's impossible with you. And so in Jesus' name, I rebuke the sickness. I rebuke and I bind every power of the devil, every spirit of infirmity, all of the works of darkness assigned against my body, assigned against the bodies close to me. 
Satan, you have no more place. You've been defeated. Jesus made a public spectacle of you. He rose from the dead. He took on stripes for me. By his stripes, I am healed. And so, Lord, I thank you by faith. I'm healed by the power of God. In the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, fill me with faith. The gift of faith. That when I walk out of this place, I'll be able to walk in that healing all the days of my life. And, Lord, I promise to give testimony to the healing, the power of Jesus. And I'll lay hands on the sick as well and see them recover. And I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Now, one more thing. How many of you feel like there's a call on your life that's unfulfilled? Yet you've yet to fulfill. Okay, we're going to pray. God, you're the one that resurrects dead things, old things. So, Lord, we're praying for a resurrection of life to the calls that, are, that you placed on your people's lives. Lord, I thank you. There are calls that are irrevocable without repentance. So we stir them up right now. We stir them up. Fresh, fresh vision. God, I ask you to open eyes to see. Eyes to see. Fresh orders. Thank you, Lord. Lord, many of us looked at the task that was coming towards us as impossible, but yet you already knew what you were going to do about the whole thing. So, Lord, we thank you. We just pray for a measure, a fresh release of faith to follow you and to accomplish your purpose. Fresh fire, fresh anointing, fresh anointing, fresh anointing, fresh anointing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Dylan, come help me. Let's just pray. Just, just lay hands on every person. Just, just release whatever we, all that we pray. Just release. Just release. Thank you, Lord. Just release. Thank you, Jesus. Fresh anointing. Fresh, fresh, fresh anointing.